The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We'll be your host for today. And we have Olivia Humphrey joining us. Uh, Olivia is a Forge Firebrand speaker. So uh, that's a, an opportunity for people to be apprentices, learning and growing in itinerant preaching mm -hmm. ministry, and uh, also a Forge equipping alumni. So Olivia, so glad for you to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to see y'all. Good to see you too. Well, uh, I'm excited to dive straight into the topic for today. Uh, Olivia, you had been um, just briefly mentioning with us the idea of how important it is for younger people to receive wisdom from older people and these kind of passing on um, spiritual wealth, so to speak, to the next generation. Um, and, and perhaps we would talk about is, do we see that happening very often? Is it rare? How do we go about it? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I think it's a really important topic. And so uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about where, like, how did you come to value this? Why Why mm -hmm. do you believe it's important? And um, uh, let's go from there. Yeah. So I think it all goes back to when I first started, like, wanting to know everything about the Bible, kind of like got a taste of it. And I was like, this is amazing, but I don't know any where to start. Um, a woman named Steph Horner took me under her wing. Like I sought her out and just was like, whatever I can do for you to teach me, like, please. And from that point on, she became like an older sister to me. Like she gave me my first opportunity to teach the Bible and like taught me how to do all of that. So I didn't know how important that would be in the rest of my life, but at age like 15, out of nowhere, this woman comes along and changed the game for me. So that became a huge value in every step of the way of like big decisions, her and her husband kind of like helped guide me. And then I started really digging into scripture and it's a huge deal, like huge deal. And then in the culture of the Old Testament, it's teach the next generation, pour this in, diligently teach your children this. So it's become a huge value through the Holy Spirit teaching me and then just older people coming alongside me. Mm. I uh, I imagine that you have some stories of like ways that that has impacted you specifically. Is mm. there anything that you would be willing to share to be like, hey, like this is why I see it as important, like at a mm. practical level. And and I just want to comment too before you dig into that. I I think you mentioned it's an Old Testament concept. I believe it's also a New Testament For concept sure. yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I I just want to read this verse that comes to mind right as you're sharing and digging in, as in Titus. It says, uh, uh, likewise, the older women should teach the younger women. And then uh, mm. Timothy, or rather Paul, writing to Titus, continues on with the things that he says, hey, they should be teaching these kinds of ways of living that, that are God-honoring. And uh, so there's this concept that you see kind of scattered from place to place uh, throughout the New Testament, I think, as well, with the believers in the churches. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, specifically, a time... I have been told by many wise counsel in my life that it's a good thing you've got a lot of passion, but 
maybe that passion can't drive you always. And there was a, a professor here at CIU. I had like taught in chapel my freshman year or something. And I asked for her feedback. So I went to her office and she sat me down and just got so serious with me and was like, passion's great, but passion's not going to lead you anywhere. If you just like fly by passion your whole life, you're going to get burnt out and it's not going to sustain you. But if you're led by the word of God, that will sustain you and passion will come alongside with that. And there have been, I mean, I could think of six other examples of people sitting me down and saying, passion's great, but it cannot get you everywhere. I think so. And, practically, and how, would it's been passion? how would you define passion in that context? Just so we have, a yeah. Because I think there could be um, different definitions of passion for sure. where on one hand, I'm like, maybe it is good for passion to lead yes. you and it will. And on the other hand, the other type of passion maybe isn't. Right. So, I think for so me, help us unpack like that. <clears throat> a, if I'm just like super excited about it and if I can like tell the greatest story of all time, like that was kind of my passion was just yeah. being like very animated and like loud and like that kind of being what was guiding me, especially when it came to teaching at the time and relied way heavier on that in the teaching aspect than this, which is so scary. So I'm so, again, so thankful because if she didn't pull me aside and do that and I continued in that behavior, I would have slowly more and more in my teaching got into like, how may, how cool can I make these stories? How much can I keep their attention? Like, and mm. drifted from this and that's just so scary. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to dare to do that. So. Maybe for those people are listening, Olivia keeps picking up her Bible and saying, drifting from this, she's pointing oh, her Bible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we could say uh, momentary excitement is sure. fleeting or uh, misguided passion, perhaps. Um, yeah. Because there's another definition of passion, which I think actually fits right in line with what you're saying, mm -hmm. which is you love something so much you're willing to delight in suffering for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that will take you to the very end. Uh, yeah. if that love is centered as you're picking up your Bible, now I'm picking up mine right here, uh, in the word yeah. of God in Jesus, that passion, that, that, that'll take you and, and keep you there. Yeah. Um, but the passion apart from that, I think is momentary excitement that, that drifts away. Mm -hmm. So I think that we can all agree that there is value in hearing from the voices of older people, um, whether they be physically older, like years older, or mm -hmm. even just more mature in the faith, maybe yeah. just one more step down the road than you. Yeah. Um, I I would be surprised. I don't know if you guys agree, but I would be surprised if there was anybody out there saying, no, nah, no, wise counsel. <laughs> that's just, that's the worst. I, <laughs> no, that, that's not great. So in light of that, what what do you guys think is the reason that people don't engage yeah. with this process more frequently and before we get any any further into that question maybe mm -hmm. it's wise for us to say here's what we're saying is a, a good thing versus maybe what people are thinking uh so maybe what you're thinking right now is i need to get a mentor and i need to meet with them every single week on wednesday at 5 p.m at mm -hmm. the coffee shop and that's what i need to do and we're not saying that's terrible. We're just saying that might not be the only way that older people are pouring and, into you. And that might be a great way for you. You right. might be like, that fits them, that fits me, that fits our schedule. Boom, let's do it. Other of you, those of you who are like, man, I don't think I could do that. I, it doesn't work for, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be a one size fits all, I don't think, which I, when we start to say it only looks like this, <clears throat> I think that's where we start to make a mistake as well.
Right. And so like, just for example, in my life, I've never had somebody just being like every week, like same time, same mm -hmm. place, always pouring in mm -hmm. and I have questions and they have answers and blah, blah, blah. But I have had many wise men and women speak at various crucial junctures in my life that have mm -hmm. led me to where I am today. Um, yeah. And it, it it's not a regular, like every third Thursday, but it is a regular, right. like it consistently happens in my life. Totally. I, I agree. That's the same for me. I, I think the most consistent I would have had was a spiritual leader meeting with me once a week, but it was like four guys and we're going to go through this book, more like a Bible yeah. study or a book study or something. And then of course, you know, Hey, how can we pray for each other and questions that might come up? But outside of that, same for me, nothing with regularity, uh, more like there have been people along the way I've grown or I have questions and I mm -hmm. and I reach out, I go, I like that person. And I like that person. Mm -hmm. I respect them. Uh, I want to see what they're going to pour in when I face this issue in my life, or I have a decision to make and I'm not sure what I should do. I like to call these like different people and I know they're going to have different answers. Mm -hmm. which I like, I prefer that because it makes me think about all the angles and stretch and grow and uh, mm -hmm. consider uh, different perspectives to be more well-rounded rather than like, oh, here's the yes man. I'm just going to call somebody that I know thinks exactly like I think mm -hmm. and then I'm good just to make myself feel better. Uh, I think that also gets into what kind of people uh, should be, should we receive wisdom from? Uh, and then I think that'll point to what kind of people should we be <laughs> to pour it into those uh, who might be uh, not quite a far, as far along as we are. Sure. Yeah. So we, we opened up a whole can of worms there. Yeah. Let's try to organize. Uh, let's start. Just Thanks Nate, for organizing us. I'm I'm good at opening up the cans and then you're like, wait a minute, hold on, slow down. <laughs> let let let's go back to the question from a, a little while ago. Let's let's ask like what what is it that would prevent someone from from participating in this? I'll go first, I guess. I think that the answer to that question has something to do with our willingness to understand that the advice of others is valuable. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, I'm a know-it-all or I've struggled with being a know-it-all in the past. And I looked at other people as if they were less intelligent than me and had mm -hmm. nothing to offer. And for that reason, even someone who is more mature than me, I would look at what they had to say and be like, because it's not the way I think it must not be valuable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so probably not everybody out there is like me, but I imagine there's some people yeah. out there who are. And And I think being younger that is more prevalent as well. Mm -hmm. I, I find the older you get and the older people I talk with, you're like, oh yeah, I definitely don't know everything. And people will say the older they get, the more they realize the less they know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's there's this like when you're young, oh, I, I know exactly how it's gonna be and exactly how it's gonna go. And then you get married and you're like, oh yeah, I think uh, I didn't know as much as I thought. And then you have kids and you're like, okay, I really don't know. And then you get into the job world in the midst of that and you're like, okay, yep, I have no idea. And then you keep growing and it's like, okay, yeah, I need some help here. Um, and so I think there's these life stages that help in humbling people as well. Uh, but that doesn't negate, like Paul writes to Timothy, hey, don't let anyone despise you because you are young, but set an example for all the believers, everybody, mm -hmm. all ages, 
in life, love, speech, faith, and purity. And so I do think that uh, while life has a natural way of humbling us to a degree, I think that that we can still humble ourselves when we're younger mm -hmm. to receive from others and we will become so much wiser if we do. So all that said, mm -hmm. I agree wholeheartedly, Nate. And um, I would say, I would point back to a podcast we just recently did. Uh, may, maybe you've listened to it. If not, I highly recommend you do. Uh, it's the last one on the book of Colossians. Uh, I believe it's titled Making Friends in the Modern World. And uh, <clears throat> for those of you who are like, well, I don't need help with making friends or friendship. Great. Go listen to it because somebody around you does need help. Uh, mm -hmm. And I guarantee that statistically. Uh, we talked about how um, from 1990 to 2021, those who had 10 or more close friends statistically in America, uh, that decreased by two thirds. Um, over those years. And so I would say one of the aspects is while we are more digitally connected than we've ever been, we're more relationally disconnected than we've ever been. And so I think that plays into this as well, that we feel more difficulty and obstacle in reaching out to others relationally than we've ever felt as a, as a nation and as a culture and as a society. And so that just makes it more difficult like we feel a tension or we feel a fear or an insecurity or we just don't even think about it. And so we don't reach out, whether that's to pour into somebody else or to receive from somebody else. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I wouldn't want to call that guy and bother him with my question. I, I don't know if I, I'm mm -hmm. worth his time. Hmm. Olivia, yeah. what, what are your thoughts? So for sure, pride, like you mentioned, and we have knowledge at our fingertips. I mean, you can look up any pastor you'd like on any topic or passage that you're reading that you don't understand and listen to that. And that's cool with you. Like, and you don't have to ask the questions or wrestle through it necessarily. It's kind of just like, you know, warmed up food. Right. And so there's that aspect of it. And I also think in my culture or my generation, like, I want to be careful with how I say this, but there is a strong di division or it's almost like we're against the older generation because they're against us. And the only way to work through that is like, we've got to stand up and use our voice against them. It's it's us against them, it feels like, or at least that's what I'm noticing in the climate of today. And, and what generations would that be for those listening? And they're like, wait, we can't see you. Yeah, so I'm 21. So okay. like college age students, young adult kind yep. of grouping. And anybody um, older than that. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, and anyone not in college, I guess. Okay. Or even like with, I know it was a joke for so long, but like the okay boomer, like totally hurting and like not honoring the older people who come before us. Uh, we're saying they have nothing to offer to our culture, which is really, or to our, our life, you know, and it's just really sad. So I think pride and knowledge at your fingertips and then this like they're against us anyway. So we've got to stand up and fight back. Um, if all of those things are being pushed around in a 21 year old's mind, why would they call on someone older than them? With questions about the Bible, or they're making a hard decision, or they don't know what next step to make. It just seems like everything's kind of against calling on the older people, which stinks. Do you do you get the sense that uh, older people are unavailable? Um, I remember when I was young, I just felt like there was no older people that I could call on, even if I wanted to, even if I had valued their opinion. Like there wasn't anybody there who I would be like. I mean, outside of like my parents or something, but hmm. anybody there who I'd be like, yeah, I really, I, I think that they would be a good one. Nate, yeah. is it just you, like you didn't even see people who you thought would be good or you thought they were too busy? Both. I, I don't know. Yeah. 
especially yeah. the first part. So you just looked around and you're like, I don't know who to reach out to. Like, I don't see anybody. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I I personally haven't experienced that. I, I know I'm a little different in the sense of I'm at a, a Bible college and not everyone in my age is there. Um, but I mean, there's professors that are constantly like in challenging us to ask questions, pushing us to like meet with them and things like that. So I feel very fortunate in that aspect, but also like anytime I've visited a new church, I remember coming to Columbia and trying to figure out what church I was going to go to and I'd visit. And the first thing I do is just like walk up to someone who works there, an older person and be like, okay, give me the rundown. Like, do you want to meet? Like, let's go get coffee. I'd love to get to know you and give me the scoop of the church. Cause I, I can't just judge it based off of like sitting in the back of the, the church. You know what I mean? Um, and from that, I feel like God has made connections with older people at, at the church that I'm at now just through asking, you know? So I, I think right now I haven't seen a lack of, I have seen, unfortunately, a lack of um, older women to pour into the women on our school. Cause I can point my, my brothers all day long to a lot of our professors. Um, but there isn't, I mean, their professors wives are so solid, but they've got full-time jobs. They're not around on campus as much. It's not as easy to accept. Uh, they're not as easily accessible. And a lot of the girls are feeling that on our campus. So I think that's true too, is the lack of older women yeah, at least in my context. I don't know about y'all. I think that just points to, uh, if I could say, life outside of college. So once you're out of a college campus for anybody else, it's like, well, where do I connect with these people? Mm -hmm. um, because they're not here on campus to grab coffee, yeah. to grab lunch, to just say, hey, I have a question real quick. You, you It's literally like, I got to get a hold of them. I got to set a meeting. Uh, can we go get coffee and talk? And so it does take a little bit more front end initiation and work, mm -hmm. I think, outside of a campus setting if they're not there on that campus. And um, I would say, as I'm thinking about it, primarily one of the number one places to find them will be church. Mm -hmm. uh, be involved in a local church, serve, get connected with people, meet people. And then you'll start to see like, man, who are the people that... I just respect. They have a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of peace. Uh, they seem really solid. Man, I, maybe I just ought to go ask them a few questions. Maybe I mm -hmm. just say, hey, I'd love to get coffee and and just hear about your life and and ask you some questions. Um, and that might start to develop an opportunity uh, for you to learn and grow from that person. And then I would also say there may be categories of life that aren't necessarily spiritual. They're more practical, maybe related to your job or to your family or mm -hmm. whatever. And, and you can ask other people questions where you're like, man, they really excel, let's say, at finances. And I'm trying to figure out how to budget in life. Maybe I ought to go have a conversation about practical finances with that person. Just the, the practical things of life um, that, that you might go, man, I'm, I'm lacking in that area. I want to find somebody who excels in that area and just pick their brain. Mm -hmm. That's good. It is good. And uh, I would say that the local church can be a place for those practical things. I'm, I'm not saying you're 100%, not. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's that I mean, finding the different type of people, whether right. that's there or outside of there, but I would probably, even as I think about it, I don't, I can't come up with a lot of places outside of the local church that I will point to as the main hub to find people in this sort of uh, mm -hmm. relational way. Right. And I think it's also worth noting I feel like a lot of young people out there are at large, like large mega churches, and they mm -hmm. might find it more difficult to 
to develop those connections. So what you said uh, in in that little phrase that you said a little while ago about like finding people and saying hello and connecting mm -hmm. and all of that kind of thing is so important, especially in that larger church context. Yeah. Because I feel like it's e like I have nothing against large churches, but I feel like it's easy to just be a a, a face on the wall yeah. in a large church. You're just you go, you watch the show, you participate yeah. through worship or whatever, and then you're done. And yeah. like you can go that whole period of time and not shake a hand and not say hello to somebody, mm -hmm. especially if you're like watching over YouTube or whatever. Like, yeah. so being being engaged, which I think is the word you used, Charlie, being engaged at the local church is super important to find these people. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, how do we do that? Uh, hey, at your church, if it like show up a little bit early, linger mm -hmm. after the, the gathering finishes just to talk with some people in the lobby or whoever's there, St stick around and talk with people. Um, just get to know them. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. you're, you're saying, Hey, I'm so-and-so what's your name? Nice to meet you. Like, how long have you been at this? Oh, that's awesome. Or, well, tell me about your story. Uh, what's God done in your life? Those could be just some key questions to help you get to know some people. And, uh, uh, then, then go from there. Um, I would also, so that's the first way is engaging in that sort of way. Uh, secondly, I would say, um, Probably there's some sort of Bible studies or small groups. Mm -hmm. I would recommend that you get involved in uh, to connect at another level as well. And that starts to open up opportunity too. And it, go ahead, Olivia. I don't want I don't want to keep talking and not let you talk. <laughs> I just had a, a question really for you, Nathan, on that yeah. is I'm realizing right now, Charlie and I are both very extroverted people. And it's not, that sounds really simple at church. Like I can, oh yeah, I'll just go ask someone like, Hey, do you want to meet up? And that's no problem. Um, because I'm wired that way personality wise. However, I want to ask you, cause you're valuing the same things Charlie and I are, but it's different because your personality is very introverted and you'd be fine to just like not do that. So mm. how do you push past that from an introvert perspective? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. You have, there, there's a certain level of, you have to be uncomfortable in order to grow. Mm. Uh, and I, I've had to force myself into uncomfortable situations which for you would maybe be comfortable but for me is uncomfortable sure. uh, like initiating conversations or initiating contact uh, i would also say that there are shortcuts so for example instead of trying to build a relationship with a hundred people i could go to the pastor and be like hey i'm looking for mentorship i'm looking for mm -hmm. somebody to pour into me do you have anybody that you would recommend anybody mm -hmm. that from your experience as the leader of this flock like you would really advise me towards and uh, mm -hmm. I think that can be a shortcut and something really good. I also wanted to just mention what Charlie was saying with the Bible study thing. Those Bible studies can feel intimidating to introverted people, but it's so worth it to my fellow shy mm -hmm. awkwards out there. Um, it's so worth it because once you get past that initial, like, oh, I don't want to go tonight, like you get there and you're there with the people and they're encouraging you and it's good. Um, and it's productive. And if it's not encouraging and if it's not productive, then find a different one. Um, I would also say when you're looking for a small group, don't just stick with your st sameness cluster. Mm -hmm. uh, don't just stick with people who are like you, look like you, same age, whatever. Uh, find a small group that maybe has some older people in it. Like you never know. You might learn mm -hmm. some amazing, epic things mm -hmm. from people who are different. It's good. Cool. So, uh, the, I guess where we need to go from here is uh, we've kind of talked about here's how you 
find it. Here's how you kind of overcome some of these obstacles. Mm -hmm. What does it look like for us to be those people for others? Mm. This kind of the last question that I definitely want to answer before we finish up here. Yeah. And I, I think, um, it looks like availability to people, um, and putting ourselves out there to, to be able to be in that kind of position. Um, and also initiating on the other end, like, asking people, Hey, how are you doing, man? Like, is there any way I could pray for you? Uh, it, like what, what's been something exciting this week? What's something that you really need prayer for that you're wrestling with? Um, and, and maybe it's a question of, Hey, what's the best way that, that I can come alongside your life? Is there any way that I could be of help to you? Mm -hmm. Um, asking those kind of questions intentionally, uh, with people that might be just a little bit younger than you, um, or maybe not quite as far along as you are in the faith. Um, if they're a little bit newer or something like that. Uh, so I would say I, I issue two challenges. One to the younger is go initiate and two mm. to the older go initiate. Yes. <laughs> like I think the younger is going to feel intimidated about who to find and how to find mm -hmm. them and to initiate with them and to ask that, uh, but still do it. And the older, we might be too busy. We might not even be thinking about it. Uh, or, or you might just be like, I don't know if I have anything to offer. You might, the insecurities on both sides for the younger and the older, yeah. Yeah. I might feel insecure. Like, I, I don't want to ask that person. Like, I don't know if I'm worth their time. And the older might be saying, man, I don't know if I have much to offer. Uh, let's just throw all that to, to the side because, uh, both, both have need and both have things to offer. Um, but just initiate say, Hey, on both sides, initiate, look for people that could maybe use some growth and you could encourage them and build them up. And then also look for people that have wealth spiritually and, and wisdom to offer and uh, ask them questions. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I also think it's important if you're thinking anything like me, like, what do I have to offer kind of thing? Like to the younger, I feel like I still need a lot more older people to come alongside me and teach me. How can I then whatever? Well, one, like, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this so much in the podcast, but we have things to offer because God has showed up for us in our life. So sharing, like, hey, I've been, have I been through something hard and has God like brought me through it before? Have mentors spoken something into me that really changed things? Okay, cool. I can share that with someone else. Like, mm -hmm. and even in my life at going into senior year, they're freshmen coming in that I can pour into. So having that mentality, even if you're not in school, like who's a few years behind you in life or a few steps behind you that you can say, I remember being there. I remember God encouraging me in this way when I was there. I can share that with them. Like, and that's so valuable. Um, God has entrusted me with things in the sense of like life experiences or scriptures that I'm learning. Why, why not share that instead of just hold on to it? Um, because when I get way older, I don't want this to keep hindering me and I just never ever pour in and then I'm way old and no one's like, what do I got to offer? You know what I mean? Um, I also wanted to touch on the importance of like, for example, um, I was thinking of First Kings 12 today. Peers are great because they sharpen you and like iron sharpens iron and you can challenge one another, hold each other accountable. But mentoring or discipleship looks a little different because they're going to warn you, hey, I've been there. I think this would, I know you can't see it right now, but I wanted to encourage you maybe walk in this way. Whereas mm -hmm. your peers might not have been there yet. And they're just thinking, dude, this is, this is the way, let's just do it this way. And you're going to want to listen to your friends way more. But there's a, a very clear example of this in scripture. First Kings 12, Rehoboam, he's the son of Solomon. 
And these he has a big decision to make basically on how he's going to rule the nation because it's, he's just been given like leadership over this. And all of the people of Israel gather and they're wondering, like, is he going to be a harsh king? Is he going to like take care of us? I don't know. And these elders gather around and they say, hey, serve the people. Like instead of coming down harsh on them, like instead, what if you really did just serve them and lead them well? What, what a cool idea. And Rehoboam takes that in, waits for three days, and then his friends come along and say, no way. Like, you got to show your power, your dominance. Like, it literally says, say that Solomon's hand of, what is it? Like, hand of um, aggression was like a finger, and my I'm thicker than his my thighs. What does he say? It's like, I don't know. It's such a power move. I don't know. Anyways, basically, come down way harder, and you're going to show your, your people, like, you're not to be messed with. And he listens to his peers. And the next chapter, the next section is the kingdom divides. Mm. And I really think it's very tempting to listen to your friends because it feels like they understand you and they know where you're at a little bit more. And we neglect what the older people have to say because they've moved on. Uh, but there's just great, great danger in that. So I wanted to share that that this is a biblical thing that points to a lot, not just with Paul and Timothy, you know? <laughs> so good. And uh, I feel like you hit on so many things there. One thing that I really want to say is uh, it's tempting for for younger people, whether it be me in my 30s looking at a 70-year-old or you in your t- early 20s looking at a 40-year-old or whatever. It's younger for us. It's easy for us as young people to look at those older people and be like, hey, like you just don't, you don't know what it's like. You, you haven't lived this life mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain level of truth right? Like they didn't have to deal with certain things that you have to deal Mm -hmm. with. There is a little bit of that. But also the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, Humans have always been human. And there are, there's a lot of high quality content that you can learn from older people, even though their, their situations may have been a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they understand things about people that you just haven't yet understood. And that's a good thing, <laughs> like, because you can learn from it. Yeah, there's there's uh, no one person is going to have the identical situation of another person ever mm-hmm. because every person's unique and in different times and all of that. But there are principles of truth in all of those situations mm-hmm. that people are faced that remain the same no matter what that can be pulled out and utilized. And uh, I think that's what we're going after. Mm-hmm. I was I was reading a book recently about how to – how to make friends. <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway. We're your friends, Nathan. We are your friends. <laughs> you know. So this book was written in like the 1920s or 1930s. Wow. If, uh, and it is a very old book, but the concepts remain the same. Mm-hmm. Um, things like learning somebody's name or highly valuing them or mm-hmm. getting excited about what they're saying or asking them questions like mm-hmm. those things never change. And uh, in the same way that making friends hasn't really changed over the last, you know, however, thousand many years, uh, I don't think that there's like there's a lot of other things that haven't changed also, like how to love your wife well or how to love your mm-hmm. husband well or yeah. how to, you know, how to care for your kids or this or that or whatever situation you might be in or how to get through a, a hard class with a difficult professor or whatever, you know, whatever situations like those things probably are fairly consistent. I, I would even dare say they are vitally more important today in our culture than they even were before because of the stats, because of this drifting away from close relationships and friendships that we've seen statistically as talked about in that other episode. I would say it emphasizes the need 
for those things you mentioned, Nate, and the need for just in general, uh, this this mentorship, passing on wisdom type of, of relationship, mm-hmm. uh, I think it emphasizes the need for it even more. Mm. Absolutely. Can I ask a question? So I know we're talking about like the importance of this and people could take this away and go, that's a really great idea. I would really like to do that. And we've said like initiate, but once you get there and you have, you're face to face with this now new mentor and you're terrified because you've never done this before. Like what are practical things of like, what does mentorship look like? What, yeah. do, what do I say? Like, do I just let them talk the whole time and write down notes? Like what, what would you say to that? Yeah. I think what I have found most helpful um, from from both sides of me passing things and me receiving things is that when the, uh, let's call them the younger person, whether they're actually younger or not, most of the time we'll say they are, uh, the person that wants to learn and grow and receive. I think what I found easiest practically is that person coming with questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise the person who has wisdom to pass may not really know what the younger person needs or is looking for unless they see an area of growth in that person's life then i would say on the other side of the let's call them the mentor uh hey you see some area of growth then gently approach that area of growth with scripture with questions like hey tell me about when you talked with the people this way like what were you thinking like just start to see where they're coming from ask questions and then point them to scripture and say hey could it be that you need to grow in that area a little bit and here's maybe a pathway for that so i'd say if the mentor sees something hey let's gently address that but most of the time i would say uh come with questions for those of you who are younger going to a mentor come with questions write mm-hmm. down write them down don't don't assume you're going to remember them you won't you'll sit down and be like crap i forgot what i was going to ask you I, there was this really important question mm-hmm. and you're going to remember it when you're driving home uh, so write it down, put a note in your phone and say, here's when you're going through life and you're like, man, I really wonder about that. Write it down in your phone immediately. Oh man, I, I read this Bible verse and I'm wondering what it means. Write it down in your phone, whether it's about Bible verse, life, how you face a situation, whatever, just start writing down your questions. And then you can go to that person and say, Hey, I was wondering about this. Um, other times it might just be, Hey, catch up on life and pray together. Hey, how are you doing? What's happening? Um, uh, is there any way we could pray for each other? Uh, it could be that as well. I don't think every time you see that person has to be this mind blowing, like, wow, that was yeah. an earth shattering revelation yeah. uh, because it just doesn't happen that way. Uh, I don't have those times very often, to be honest with you, where it's like, this is mind shattering earth. Like it just, it's not all the time. It's like, hey, I had this small question. Well, thanks. That was really helpful. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's like, well, I was glad to connect like i'm glad to hear what god's doing in your life and then it might be like five years down the road i face something and i'm like oh yeah i remember when they said that now now it applies to me um but it didn't in that moment i think another good question uh or series of questions would be something along the lines of hey what do you see in my life that maybe i don't see um Mm -hmm. so if this person is close to you has a good vantage point on you uh, they might be able to give you some perspective that you didn't previously have. Um, if I had been wise enough to ask, I could have avoided some pain in my life. Um, j- just great plain. question. Yeah. yeah, great question to ask. Yeah. You know, while we're on the subject, that's another. That's a good question to ask the Lord uh, mm-hmm. during times of listening prayer. Sorry, just no. That's great. 
Hey, Charlie, what you're saying, I'm, I'm looking in Luke right now, Luke 3:46 says, after three days, they found him, being Jesus, in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Hmm. This is like the only account we have of Jesus as a boy. Hmm. But imagine Jesus, who's God? Like, you know what I mean? Who has all equality with the Father, who knows everything, who was there at the foundations of the earth. Sitting as a young boy at the temple, asking them questions and listening. Mm. Like, not just speaking and saying, guys, I know this. Like, and they come back and Jesus is the teacher that everyone's just like bowing down yeah. to. He's like, his humility is put on display. So it, it's, it is going back to the pride issue, going to take humility and asking questions. Um, and then I think prayer is like huge. Going into this is like, yeah. God, I don't really know how to do this thing, but Jesus, you did this really well. So could you teach me like, mm -hmm. and having that teachable heart. So when you go into that conversation, maybe the Holy spirit is going to lead you to a topic that you're struggling with that you didn't even really think of, or that mentor is going to have wisdom that they, they can discern in that moment through the Holy spirit. Like, but if we're not praying and asking, then we're kind of just going again, based on our own knowledge or what we think we should do. Um, which yep. I, I think is big. I've also seen Charlie, you're an example of this. Like, you we've spent enough time together where i could have said hey can you tell me like what are some strength and nathan both of you i've asked like what are some strengths and weaknesses that you've seen or growth points in my life and you both took time in prayer and like really just sit and say okay i don't want to answer too quickly like let me think on this and i learned just by that response before mm -hmm. you even said anything you both were like i really need to think about this and, and pray before i answer um because that taught me, maybe I should be more slow to speak. Maybe I should, you know, like, so even just gleaning from examples or how people go about things rather than just their answers themselves is huge. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Good. Good word of advice there, Olivia. <laughs> so Learn from you guys. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think sometimes uh, we can be blind even to the positive things that we do in, in general, uh, any, any person. Uh, and so uh, sometimes pulling those things out and, and saying, hey, this was helpful, uh, helps to point to how do you do this well? Um, that's great. Well, mm. Olivia, what else would you say? Is there any final words you would say on this topic mm. as we walk away from this conversation? Um, I just kind of thought of a story that is in a perfect explanation of everything we've been talking about that happened to me recently. I was at the dinner table with a couple that is much like my spiritual mother and father and they had guests over and I was joining them for this. And someone was there who had never met this couple yet. He he didn't know the culture. I feel like the culture this couple has established is very much so like, what can we learn from the Bible? Like, let's ask questions at the dinner table. Let's like submit to God's word and find out what's in there kind of thing. And it's just been normal. You sit at the table and you ask questions. And I'm asking the older gentleman, like the husband of this couple, some questions. It's Paul Epperson. Okay, let's be honest. It's just Paul. <laughs> we know Paul. I don't know why I'm hiding his identity. I asked Paul Epperson a question um, that I had been wrestling through or reading that morning. And without giving mm. Paul a moment, my fellow brother, my fellow age, my peer, who's this is the first time he's been there, rattles off all these answers and all of these. Like, I guess he had studied this really deeply and he was very excited to share. And that's it was great. Like, that he knew all of that, but it actually like was a lot of knowledge without a lot. There wasn't a lot of submission or, or listening or waiting and love him. Very, very awesome brother in Christ. Like I'm not dissing him whatsoever, but in that moment I realized, whoa, there has been a culture established in this home of questions that that threw me off. 
because we didn't wait for like the head of the table to kind of answer. And we kind of just laughed about it. Paul was just like, oh, and Paul in his humility is just like leaning into this young man and listening to anything he has to say and didn't fight back on it. So it, it was funny and Paul had a different answer and they, they were able to learn from it. But it just really showed me one, just the value of like older people and submission. Submission is the word that people hate using, but I actually really love it. <laughs> like, if we do submit to this thing, meaning the Bible fully, there's just so much in your heart that's going to change. Whereas if you're not submitted to it, it's just going to lead you to thinking you know it all. And it, it really hurts you in the long run. So maybe we should listen a lot more than <laughs> just speak mm. first. It's a, so a great way to summarize. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Mm. James knew what he was saying. Anyway, hey, uh, Olivia, thank you so much for joining the podcast. If you want to connect with Olivia, she is a speaker, a firebrand speaker with our organization. So you can go to forgeforward.org and uh, connect with her there. Uh, just click on speakers and you find yeah. Olivia. On the list. Or you want the quick link, forgespeakers.com, right there. Her there face is on the website. Boom. Boom. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless.